Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Mark 9, 1-13 And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen, until the Son of Man had risen from the dead, so they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do the scribes... Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they please, as it is written to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Maybe grab a seat this morning. Good morning, Hill City. My name is Brad, lead teaching pastor here. Listen, before we jump in, I just want to throw something at you. I know Danny's going to talk about it later, but man, we have a party tonight. It's a, it's a, it's a family dinner, but this, the origins of this family dinner is that we celebrate our birthday. We started in the month of May, seven years ago. Hill City is seven years old this month. So yeah, it's a family dinner, but we're also celebrating all that the Lord has done in and through this church, and we're pretty fired up about it. So I'd love to see you here tonight. Um, so... With, the, with my job, I, I actually, I do a lot of weddings. I don't know if you guys know this or not. A lot of people getting married around here. Um, and I do a lot of weddings. And part of my practice is that I will go into the uh, bridal chamber uh, with the bride and, and her bridesmaids. And, and then I'll go with the, with the uh, groom and the groomsmen and I'll, and I'll pray with them. But when you go into this room and every time, um, it, without fail, like the bride um, is just beautiful all decked out, this dress, um, and, and it's, it's amazing. And, and, and yet, I'll be on stage and I'll be standing with the groom and then like people will stand up and the doors will open and, it, and, and even then in that moment, it's like it's even more glorious. The way that a bride would, would look and, and enter and, and come down the aisle and it's, it's quite glorious. Now, maybe a bride coming down the aisle is not something that, that you're like, yeah, that, I've never thought of that about being too glorious. Well, maybe this will get you because I know it's glorious, whether you think it or not, but there's something else that's also glorious, and maybe I'll let you into my world, my 10-year-old boy world. So I remember when I went to Bush Stadium for the very first time in my life. I've told this story before, but it, it's, just, it just, it just, it's just what it is, right? So I walk into Bush Stadium, and I'm like, man... It's, this is the most beautiful place on the planet, okay? And then, but, but then you see the baseball players run on the field, and it's like their uniforms are like plugged in. 
It's like, and, and the, this white, these white uniforms, and it like nearly brings me to tears. When I was 10 years old, I, I almost cried when I was 10, and even still today, you want to see me go back to my 10-year-old boy, just take me there. It's glorious. I love it. Here's the thing about glory. We, we were made for that. Like we were made for glory. And this word that we're going to talk about, this, this glory word, if you look at it in the Old Testament, the, the, what it really translates as is weight. Glory equals weight. And I know this is true because what will happen is when I'm at a wedding and you see these, the, the, these brides in their white dress, have you seen the way little girls look at them? When they're all around, it's, it's like they've seen a movie star all day. They're just looking at this, and they dream of being this, and it's crazy. And it even gets worse. I'm standing by the biggest, strongest, toughest dudes on the planet, and when that door opens, like they melt like butter, start weeping all over themselves. Why? It's, it's weighty. It's glorious. But we were made for this. So what is the most weighty or glorious thing in your life my prayer my literal prayer that it will be Jesus if it's not that that it will be Jesus the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork Psalm 19 says holy 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 is the Lord almighty the whole earth is full of his glory Isaiah tells us and the angel of the Lord appeared to them Merry Christmas Hill City and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear glory and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. May we behold his glory in this place this morning. Bow your heads. We're going to ask that that happens. God, we are here. Open our eyes that we could behold your glory in this place through this passage on your transfiguration. God, I ask this. Do this by the power of your spirit. Do this in the name of of Jesus. Amen. So chapter 1, or chapter 9, verse 1, it actually kind of goes with what we talked about last week. If you weren't here, you just need to podcast that. Uh, but we talk, Jesus is talking, and he gave some crazy bad news last week, some scary news about he's going to die, and he's going to suffer many things, and it had to happen. And then he's like, oh, by the way, if you're going to follow me, this, you're going to have to do this too. Take up your cross and follow me. Well, then he said, truly I say to you in verse, or chapter 9, verse 1, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Now, this is not like this end time second coming passage. This is coming off the heels of the crazy news that he just gave his disciples. And then you see verse 2 where he's going to show this. He's going to show what he said is going to happen in verse 1, and he picks up in verse 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Now listen, as you read this, this is not some magic trick that Jesus performs. There, there, there is tons of meaning in this passage. We don't have time. We can, do, we can do series just on this passage. But it is good to know some Old Testament background as we look at this event on this holy mountain. 
And Mark's original hearers would have had some of this background. They would have understood. So here they are on this holy mountain, and we are taking them back to a guy named Moses. We all know him, and he went to a mountain, Mount Sinai. You can read of this in Exodus chapter 24. I'd actually ask you to go ahead and go read Exodus chapter 24 this afternoon. You're going to see this because there are some similarities with Moses on the mountain meeting God and Jesus on the mountain being transfigured. You'll see it said after six days. Now, you guys, we've been in Mark for a long time. This is not how Mark writes. He doesn't say things like six days. He doesn't give specific time frames, but he does here. See, Mark is more about immediately, right? We've heard that word a bunch, immediately. But here he goes six days. Well, listen, this would ring familiar from Exodus chapter 24. You can go read it. You will see six days in that passage. You will see that God's voice God is going to speak on the mountain with Moses, just like he does on this holy mountain. You will see in Exodus chapter uh, 24, there are three named companions of Moses on this holy Mount Sinai. Well, here at the Transfiguration, we have, Pe- we have Peter, James, and John. You will see that there's a reaction of fear, just as you see in this passage. This word, transfigured. It's where we get our English word, metamorphosis. But Jesus isn't turning into something else. Again, this is not a magic trick. He's just showing who he already and who he truly is. Jesus comes on the scene, and what he does is his strength is hidden. It's hidden in weakness. His his power, his glory is actually veiled by flesh. The word became flesh and this flesh actually veiled his glory. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us about Jesus. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And Jesus is just giving a glimpse. Verse 3 says, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. Jesus reveals his glory, but even in revealing his glory, he actually gives us a glimpse of our future glory. In Matthew's account, he says this, his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. See, what Jesus did here on this holy mountain, it is so, so hard for people to put into words. These guys are doing the very best they can. Yes, the Holy Spirit inspires it, but man, listen, this is miraculous. And here, listen, you got to understand, Peter, James, and John, along with the rest of the disciples, but specifically Peter, James, and John, they are here. They, They have seen Jesus perform miracles. They have seen the power of Jesus. But you have to understand what they have also seen. They've seen Jesus really, really tired. They've seen Jesus very weary. They've seen Jesus hungry. So, so here they are doing this. And, and, and then here, here on this holy mountain, they behold his glory. And I want us to think about just for a minute this morning, because we, listen, we can't oversize this. Jesus. I think one of his greatest miracles, this is an opinion, I think Jesus' greatest miracle 
is that he veiled his glory. So I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I was, we, the staff was at a retreat this week, and I, I'd ask them, hey, how many of you guys have been to the Grand Canyon? Because I've never been there. I'm like, okay, just help me out here. What would it take? Because, man, men have done some crazy things on this planet, crazy awesome things. Like, what would it take if, could, could, could men de- design something to build and cover the Grand Canyon where if you were flying over it, you wouldn't be able to see it? Or, or maybe, like, could, we, could men do something? Could we fill it in, like fill in the hole? And covered up so that if we were flying over, it'd be like, where's the Grand Canyon? And the staff looked at me like, man, you are an idiot. And then they started giving me like, some data points. So Brad, it, it's 277 miles long and it's 18 miles wide. Like, I think A.O. was like, I stood and looked at it almost passed out because I, like, I couldn't, I was dizzy. Like, it's like nothing you've ever seen. Um, Rhode Island could fit in the Grand Canyon, Brad. You, don't, you can't just build something to cover the state of Rhode Island. By the way, if every single human being that ever lived on the planet was put into the Grand Canyon, it would not fill the Grand Canyon. 117 billion people would not fill up the Grand Canyon. Why am I telling you this? Jesus, this word who became flesh, He spoke the earth into existence. He said, exist. And the Grand Canyon, the Grand Canyon is like not even this compared to the earth. Listen, I can't right size his glory for you. And here in this moment on this holy mountain, he he shows his glory. I cannot comprehend it. I can't do it justice. But we need to know who we're dealing with when we're talking about Jesus. And he gives us a glimpse. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. So Elijah and Moses come on the scene. Now this is important. I st- you still got to understand some Old Testament background. I already mentioned Moses. Moses had met God on a holy mountain, okay? Elijah did too. You can read about this. Now in the Old Testament, that mountain is called Horeb. It's the same mountain, Mount Sinai and Mount Horeb. It's the same. They met God up there. And as you see this, you need to understand what's going on. Moses, Moses is there and, he, and he's this representation of the law. Like he wrote the law, Okay, and Elijah is this uh, representation of of the prophets. So here with Jesus, you have the law and the prophets. What is going on on this mountain? Jesus, I think what's happening here is Jesus is actually affirming the Old Testament. We say this all the time. This was Jesus' Bible. But with, with the law and the prophets on the mountain, as he is revealing his glory, he is saying, listen, everything, Moses, everything that you wrote, Elijah, everything that you prophesied, all the, pro- listen, it was about me. The Bible says they were, they were talking. Elijah and Moses, and they were talking. Jesus. Now in Luke's account, it says they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. That word departure, 
is where we see the Hebrew word exodus. They spoke of his exodus. This is interesting because this is what Moses wrote about. And, and, and I don't know exactly the words, but Jesus is like, man, that exodus like you, Moses, yes, and you're about to see an exodus like you never experienced. See, and then you see Elijah, and again, this is Old Testament, we need to know it, we need to know this. Elijah had a unique departure. Like he didn't die. God took Elijah in the same way that we will see that Jesus will be taken in his ascension. And Jesus and Moses and Elijah are connecting some dots here. Peter said, Rabbi, it's good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, for he did not know what to say, and they were terrified. So listen, most of the time in the Bible... When we see Peter said, it usually doesn't go well. And then it ends with, for he did not know what to say. Peter said, okay, so let's just get practical for a minute. We'll get back into the passage. So listen, this is profound. This is so profound. So get your pencil out, okay? If you don't know what to say, don't. Like, what if that was just our new social media rule? (laughs) Glorious! What's Peter talking about? Let's build three tents. Like, listen, he's not like, awesome, let's let's camp. Let's have a a camp out. Like, no, this word for tents where we get, where, where we see the word tabernacle, the dwelling place that was built for God. And Peter's like, I don't know what to say. Tabernacle! <laughs> for you and those two, all, let's build a tabernacle for all of you. Here's the thing about a dwelling place that was built for God. The dwelling place was to be built for God. Not for Mo, not for Eli, for God. And Peter comes in and says, let's build a tent for them too. And then God's like, I got some speaking to do. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. So here again, we have a cloud. This is very familiar. And we have God speaking, but then everything else fades except Jesus Christ, the beloved Son of God. Now, if you've been with us in our Mark series, how did Mark start this off? He's telling us Jesus is God, and he starts at a bab- Jesus' baptism where God speaks. But here at Jesus' baptism in chapter 1, he's speaking to everyone else, or he's speaking to Jesus, rather, but here on the mount, he's speaking to everyone else. 
this is my beloved son. Hill City. Listen to him. Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him, it is to him you shall listen. Jesus Christ, sovereign king, all wise, all loving, holy, infinite, the beloved son of God. And he says some things. Are you listening to him? not let me hear what he has to say and then let me consider what I want to do with it let me consider if I like what he says let me consider if it, I agree with what he's listen that's you listen to him knowing I don't whatever comes out of his mouth whatever comes out of his word I'm listening because I'm going to obey it. Listen to him. What did he say? Oh, he said a lot. Let's just, let's just go back six days. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Oh, he said a lot of things. Are you listening to him? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Are you trying to get to the Father another way? Listen to him. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Why do you keep trying to do things outside of the power of Jesus? Listen to him. What else did Jesus say? He said, it is finished then why are you continually trying to work and work and work and earn his approval? It is finished. Listen to him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Listen to him. Why are you seeking rest through other people and other experiences? It's Jesus where you're going to find rest. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Listen, Jesus is central. It's not, listen, it's not just listen to him. He's the one to be listened to, and he is the one to be seen. God speaks. There's no Moses. There's no Elijah. It's Jesus. Listen to him. Look to him. Can you just imagine? That? Oh, okay, let's just stop for a minute. The glory of God. 
like brightness like we can't explain. The voice of God. Fear, like this is wild. Are you, are you, are, are you seeing how crazy this is on these? Are you seeing this? Because this matters with the sentence I'm getting ready to read. Wild. Awesome. Here we go. And as they were coming down the mountain. There's a lot to teach here, but listen, we have to stop here. You have to learn how to come down the mountain. Listen, this is important. This is a cultural moment. Okay, so this is why I have to pause right here. The Christian life is not jumping from one mountaintop to the other mountaintop to then another mountaintop. Stay with me. Listen, when we think that's what the Christian life is, here's what happens. We become experience chasers. Here's the temptation. It's a temptation for pastors. This is a temptation for, for music leaders. It's like we, we got to give them this mountaintop experience. No, we've got to give them this experience. So then what happens is we start to manufacture mountaintop experiences and they're not real. We love you too much to do that. We love you too much to do that. So here's, what, here's the thing about life in Christ. It's actually more about a journey of cross-carrying than it is glorious mountaintop experiences. That's the path of our king, by the way. So we follow him in his path. Life is way more about, specifically the Christian life, is way more about being faithful in a thousand little boring things that actually mostly happen in valleys and not on mountaintops. I love you enough to tell you this. Christian life is more about enduring those low times. Listen, yes, there are mountaintop experiences, and you should remember what you learn on those mountaintop experiences. God is gracious to give some of those. But if you think you just get the boop from one mountaintop, boop, float to another, boop, float to another, and this is the Christian life. Listen, if you believe that, listen, you're going to be very very disappointed, or you're going to live a lie, or both. Because that's just not what the Christian life is. They had to come down from the mountain. You see, and a quick summary of what's going on here, because this could be a confusing passage. It would just take a long time to unpack. But man, 
This is, this is alluding to Malachi, a prophecy, and, and they're asking questions about Elijah coming, and, and Malachi uh, chapter 4 tells us about this, and, and Malachi chapter 4 talks about a, a, a transformation, this renewal that's going to happen, and it's like, man, no, 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 Elijah, not Isaiah, but Elijah's got to come, Elijah's got to come, and Jesus is like, he did, and he's talking about John the Baptist, he's like, listen, fellas, he did. And they killed him. And now I'm going to go be killed. They didn't quite get it. What's going on here? What's happening here? What is it that we need to hear here? Let me just get practical. Let me just kind of, I just want to stay practical. This is a very unique passage. I want to stay practical. Hill City Church. What is it that I want you to walk out of here with? A few things as I've prayed about it, and some of this might be for some, some of this for others. But what we have to see in this passage where we see this transfiguration of Jesus is we have to see Jesus and specifically how much he loves us. And who he is, like, like his character. Remember, he just gave some crazy news last week. A cross, a death, and suffering, and it must happen. But what does Jesus do? He, didn't, he doesn't just like, all right, I just told you, now handle it. No, he's a good and perfect and awesome shepherd. So what's he do? He takes the three best leaders that he had, and he takes them up to this mountain to shepherd them after he gave them some of the most crazy news that they've heard. Because he's a good shepherd, Listen, suffering is coming, guys. But remember who I am. And he just, boop, this is who I am. Suffering's coming, but remember who I am. It's going to be okay. Let's get a taste of my glory. It's going to be okay. Remember who he is. Secondly, we have to get this. His word over experiences. See, we're in a culture where it's like, no, I experienced this, and this trumps this, and that's a real problem. His word over experience. See, Peter gives guys like me hope. So young Peter, he didn't know what to say. Oh, but old Peter, old wise Peter knew exactly what to say. Second Peter chapter 1. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty on that holy mountain. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have a prophetic word more fully confirmed. Some translations say we have a more sure word than even that.
to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. God, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory, please, Lord. And we look for experiences. And here's all we got to do. You want to see glory right here? Hey, husbands, right here. You ready? Love your wives as Christ loves the church. Glory. That'll change your house. Kids, 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 children. You want some glory? God, show me your glory. Honor your father and your mother. serving communion, I want you to head to your stations. I want you to get prepared. God shows his glory on a holy mountain. But there's another time on another mountain where Jesus is going to show his glory. This mountain has a name. called Golgotha. It means place of the skull. Calvary. So Jesus' baptism, we hear, this is the Son of God. On this holy mountain at his transfiguration, we hear, this is my Son. This is God's Son. And on this hill, Of Calvary, we hear a soldier declare, truly, this is the Son of God. Now, why is it that Jesus went to this hill? For his most prized possession, for his most glorious. Talking about us, Psalm 8 says, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. That's us. He's crowned us with glory. We were made for glory. That's why Jesus went to this hill. And listen, there are some stark differences. See, because on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was this supernatural light. But here at this other hill, there was supernatural darkness. On this Mount of Transfiguration, His clothes were made bright, so bright it's hard to even put words to. But at this other hill uh, on Calvary, he, he didn't even have any clothes. On the Mount of Transfiguration, you've got two saints, two legends. Moses and Elijah, but see, at Calvary... You have two criminals. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah speaks with Jesus. On the cross, Jesus is actually mocked as if he's calling out to Elijah. On the Mount of Transfiguration, remember Peter? He says, it's good that we are here. But in Jesus' darkest moment, Peter says, I don't know him. And all the other disciples ran On the Mount of Transfiguration, God speaks 
And he says, this is my beloved son. But at Calvary, why have you forsaken me? Silence. This contrast, it shows us where true glory is. Jesus' glorious kingship, the path of our king, it was hidden in sacrificial death. And this moment on this hill of Calvary seems like an embarrassing defeat. But make no mistake about it, it's the most glorious victory that has ever, ever happened. Stand with me.